on Friday morning, I got to the house to eat breakfast with my family, like I normally do. Beautiful morning. And I caught myself pacing the floor. I was going from the west window to the east window, looking out both directions like somehow that might help calm my frustrations and the panic that I was in. Plans had changed, and it was out of my control. By Friday evening, God had calmly worked things out, and there was no need to be in a panic about it. God had answered prayers in a way that I thought would not be possible. We like to have our prayers answered, or I do, in a way that we can clearly see it and understand it. Kind of like Elijah on the mountain. We like either for the earth to quake or the wind to blow or the fire to burn. But Elijah discovered that God was in none of those. God came to him in a still, small voice. And when Elijah stopped, he could hear that voice. But you know, sometimes God answers prayer by saying nothing. All is silent. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. The title this morning is The Silence of God. And now when we read the account here, you're going to wonder, well, why would you read this story when you're going to talk about the silence of God? Because in this amazing story, God speaks very clearly. So we want to look at two ways that God answers prayer. One is very clear to us. The other one is silence. 1 Kings 17, reading from verse 1 through 24. If you're comfortable to stand, please stand as we read. 1 Kings 17, verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Jerath, which is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Jerath, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and fish in the morning, and bread and flesh, I'm sorry, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, 
Behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried unto the Lord, and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Thank you. You may be seated. Did you pick up that there was communion between Elijah and his God? There was fellowship there. There was a connection. When Elijah prayed... God heard. God answered. God told Elijah what to do. And Elijah obeyed. Prayer. Prayer is an act of communicating with God. It is talking. It is listening. It is an intimate relationship with God. It includes praising, thanking, confessing. Asking, receiving, and interceding for others. That's what prayer is. We cry out to God for our own personal needs and the needs of others. We bless God for his goodness. We ask for his forgiveness through the avenue of prayer. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. God hears the prayers of the saints. 
but sometimes we wonder, does God hear my prayer? Why does he not answer my prayer? Well, in his wisdom, he hears our prayers and he answers in the way that is best for us. Sometimes we pray and God is silent and we wonder why there is no answer from heaven. Sometimes I think it is because we are troubled with our carnal nature. We come to God like our children come to mom and dad sometimes. We want a yes when God says no. And we already know that it likely will be no. We want a no when in our hearts we know that God is going to say yes. Many times we want God's blessing and approval on what we have already decided to do. And so, maybe some of the best things that God does for us is to not answer our prayers. To be silent and let us work through that process. He will answer our prayers, by the way, but it may not be the way we think it should be. Prayer, you know, we see this saying that prayer changes things. I would like to say that prayer changes me, first of all. We don't just pray and then things change. If there's no change of heart, the prayer probably will not go much higher than the ceiling. So prayer has to change my heart first of all. We cannot be at peace and in full communion with God unless there is a change of heart. It changes my outlook on life. It changes my desires, my attitudes, the way I respond to a given situation, the way I respond to others. I'm no longer bent on satisfying my own selfish will, but I'm broken. My will is broken before God and I'm surrendered to do the will of God. Only then can He entrust me with His powerful resources to work through the issue that I'm praying about. By the way, prayer even changes the things I pray for. We pray according to His will. And then we are grateful when the answer comes, whether it is a yes or a no, for we know that God has given us what He sees best for our future. When God is silent, you know, we don't generally like silence. We don't like waiting. In our day, everything or most everything is instant. We want it right away. 
We want action. We want things to happen immediately like I did on Friday morning. We want to know right now how we're going to get through this. Why can't it be for us like it was for Elijah? He was a prophet when Ahab was king of Israel. And the Bible says that Ahab was not a righteous man. He did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before him. He led the Israelites into idol worship. Literally set up places for them to worship Baal. So one day Elijah shows up at Ahab's door and said, As the Lord God liveth, there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word, and they were in a drought. It quit raining. Elijah prayed, God answered. Verse 2, the word of the Lord came directly to Elijah. He spoke to him clearly. Elijah knew what God wanted him to do. He said, get out of the king's presence. Head east. Hide by the brook. Drink water from the creek. The birds will bring you food. Stay there. Well, eventually this brook dried up. And again, the Lord said, go to Seraphath. A widow will provide for you. Elijah left. He found the woman close to the city gate gathering a few sticks to build a fire to cook a meal for her and her son. He asked her for a glass of water. She turned to get it and he said, by the way, bring me a piece of bread. Oh, she said, there's not enough. There's not enough. I'm cooking our last meal. We're going to eat this meal together and after that... We die. There's no more food. Elijah said, don't worry. Go and do what I said. The Lord will provide for you. Bake me a cake first. After that, you can eat. For thus saith the Lord, again, the Lord speaking to Elijah, your oil and meal will not run out until he sends rain again. She obeyed, and she and he and her house ate for many days out of that barrel. Sometime later, the son gets sick, so sick that he died. The woman was heartbroken. She accused the prophet of coming and reminding her of her past sins and by that slaying her son. He took the boy upstairs to his own bedroom and cried out to God. Oh, Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he was revived. Just like that, God heard his prayer and answered it. He takes the child to his mother and said, see, your son lives. Her reply is, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. That's a remarkable story. Actually, it's a true happening. It's not just a fairy tale. These things really did happen. The Bible is true. 
God spoke to Elijah very clearly. Elijah heard the voice of God and promptly obeyed. Elijah prayed, God heard. God answered. Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. Do you suppose that an active prayer life from a humble heart linked with obedience to the word of God has anything to do with God hearing that prayer and giving an answer? Elijah prayed for no rain because of Ahab's wickedness in leading Israel to idol worship and there was a drought for three and a half years. The Lord said, hide at the brook. Elijah went. The brook dried up. God said, go to Zarephath. Elijah went. Somehow, I'm not sure how this worked, but it influenced the woman as well. Elijah said, fetch me bread and water. Despite not having enough, she turned and went and did as Elijah said. And she was blessed for it. The child dies. Elijah prayed. The Lord heard and the boy was revived. That's the type of prayer that we like to pray and have a direct answer. It's marvelous. We immediately know what God wants from us. What he wants us to do. He has answered our prayers and we are on our way. I'm sure that you all have earnestly prayed like Elijah and God did answer in that way. Immediately, you knew the answer. But I'm also aware that you probably earnestly prayed, maybe are praying right now for something that you have prayed for years, and God is silent. For some reason, there's no answer. And you wonder what happened. Why is God silent on this one issue that we're praying for? Well, maybe you are thinking that Elijah was some divine superhero of some kind and God favored him and whatever he asked for, God just did it. In James 5, it tells us that Elijah was a man of prayer. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Three and a half years, he prayed again. He prayed seven times for rain before his servants saw a cloud the size of a hand. So Elijah was a man of prayer. It says he prayed earnestly. And then when he prayed for it to rain again, he prayed seven times. It wasn't that God just favored Elijah and just 
did things on a whim for him. Elijah was a man of God. His heart was in tune with God and he responded when God called him and told him to do something. I believe Elijah had a divine calling. He was a prophet called from God to warn Israel of their pending doom if they would not turn from idol worship. But James 5 also tells us that this man was a normal human being. It says he was subject to like passions as we are. He was not so much different than you and I. Passion is a strong emotion or appetite like love, joy, hatred, or anger. We know even that at one point in Elijah's life, he struggled with depression. He was so discouraged and he felt abandoned. And it took him, it brought him to the point of wishing that he could die. So he was not much different than you and I. So what was it about him that so many amazing things were done by him and through him? He controlled the weather. He raised the dead. He called fire from heaven on a sacrifice that was soaking wet and it burned up. Everything was consumed. And we go, wow. Wouldn't that be great? Our focus is on what we like to do. Elijah's focus was on his relationship with God. All that happened in his life began with the same miracle that is available to us today yet. He responded to the miracle of being able to know God intimately. The miracle of a personal relationship with God. You know, like I said, we have this tendency to focus on the mighty things we want to do for God and maybe this hidden thought of trying to impress others by doing it. When instead our focus should be on a relationship with God, of knowing God, of being in His presence, and letting Him work through us, if He will. Developing a relationship with God so that He can use us in mighty ways. Who do we resemble? Do we resemble the general population of Israel at this time, or do we resemble Elijah? You know, the general population here was given to idolatry. They were worshiping Baal. And we say how foolish to cry out to a dead thing that won't hear our prayers or bring us peace or direction for life in any way. I don't think things are be much better today in our day. The Bible says that we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. The same things the Israelites struggled with and wrestled with 
are still present today. Maybe we don't literally set up an altar and worship to some dead image. But there's still plenty of idols in our midst. In our world today, I trust not in our own hearts here this morning. We have the God of sports and pleasure. We have the idol of technology and immorality that has ruined many a soul. The God of wealth and possessions. The God of fullness of bread and idle time. And we could go on. There are powerful forces at work trying to sever our relationship with God Almighty. Trying to cause tension in our churches, in our homes, in our families, in our schools, in our workplace. There's powers of darkness that we wrestle with. Just like the Israelites did. You know, sometimes we try to hold God accountable for some of these things. We, you know, we, we say, we pray that you promise this and you promise that. Why is it this way? Why are you withholding things from me? When all the while we may be like the Israelites. We are disobedient to the known will of God for our life. Some idol or something has come between us and God and has severed the relationship. And God will not answer the prayer. God does not owe us anything. We, we, don't, we cannot demand an answer from God. We, he does not owe us anything. Who are we then to in return ask God and demand an answer other than according to His will? He knows what we have need of and He will do what is best for us. I trust, I hope and pray that this morning we are people that resemble Elijah. A man of fervent prayer. A man who obeyed God. A man of humility. In Luke 7 it compares Elijah with John the Baptist of whom it is said, He that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I believe Elijah was a very humble person. He also had a vital relationship with God. Open communication. There was nothing blocking that relationship. And God could use him. In the mighty way that we read of here in our text. When that is us. When we resemble Elijah. God delights to do great things for us and through us. Just like he did through Elijah. But you know, sometimes, despite the fact that we are an Elijah, God is silent when we cry out to Him. We knock on heaven's door and wonder why they remain locked. We plead with God through prayers and tears and receive no answer. We hunger after God and His leading, but do not hear His voice. 
Where is God when we cannot hear him? I cannot tell you why he in his wisdom sometimes chooses not to give us the things that our hearts long for. Rest assured, though, that when God is silent, he is perfecting his plan, his purpose within your life. He has a plan. You might not know it at the time, but he is working out his plan in your life. Even in your disappointments, keep trusting God because he has a heart for your good. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. You know while we may long for great things to happen. For a miraculous answer from God. He is longing to share with us. A miracle. That we can only understand through hardship and difficulty. In the silence you believe that was unfairly forced upon you, there is a silent gift that God wants to give to you. And we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. It is the gift of grace. You know, we're a people. We prefer not to require or need grace. We like to figure things out on our own and do it my way. You know, grace, when we cry out for grace, it suggests that we have a need. But sometimes in desperation, you know, desperation, desperate situations forces us to admit that we have a need. And when we come to God with a true sense of our own need, he will sustain us with this miracle called grace. When everything else is gone... And God is silent otherwise. Grace is quietly sustaining us. Moment by moment, he gives us what we need to simply keep going. When we see no way through the next hour, God gives us what we need to be faithful right then. As we depend on Him, as we learn to depend on God, we discover quiet provision for the thing that is bothering us. It may be in our most sorrowful moments it may be in our greatest defeat or our most difficult trials God quietly provides grace to face the moment. He won't give you grace for tomorrow. He might not give you grace for the next ten minutes, but He will give you grace for the moment. And when that moment is over, He will give you grace for the next moment. There is plenty of grace for the next ten years or fifty years or a hundred years, if you will. Always there, 
always enough, always supporting, always comforting. In your moment of God's silence, have the confidence that God will speak again. But until then, cling to His grace. His grace is sufficient. Job experienced the silence of God, and he made this observation. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Sometimes God in silence has a way of teaching us things, of molding us, of shaping us into a beautiful vessel. That's what he did to Job. Sometimes when we are so focused on our needs and the things that make us desperate, we forget that one of the greatest needs that we have is to grow spiritually, to become more like Him. And God uses those quiet moments of silence to chip away at our character and make us into a better person, useful in his kingdom. Relax. Be still and know that I am God. Let God work in your life. Even through silence. Learn to let God work. Learn to accept what he is doing in your life. Even if it is. You know, he, he wants to perfect us. He wants to perfect us in Christ Jesus. Accept it even if it is through silence that he's working. Sometimes his moments of silence are the greatest answers we can be given. In them he gives us his grace and power. He teaches us about ourselves and our spiritual needs. And quietly redirects our steps into the path that he wants us to walk. In conclusion, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit in James five sixteen through 18. Be an Elijah. Pray earnestly. Remind the sinner of his way. He reminded Ahab of his idol worship. And how wrong it was. Be humble. Obey the voice of the Lord. You know, our most powerful resource is prayer to God. Our communion with Him through prayer. The results are often greater than what we expected. Or that we thought possible. Rejoice in the obvious answers. Elijah answers, if you will. Rejoice in those. God has given you a direct answer and you are thrilled. 
Thank Him for those answers. Do you know there's joy to be found in the answers that come quietly and in silence as He works in our lives quietly? Having faith to look beyond those seemingly unanswered prayers, we find confidence, trust, and happiness even when God is silent. Let's kneel and pray. Holy Father, we come into your presence today. We bless you. We thank you for being our God. Thank you that we can call on you and your ear hears our cries. We pray, God, that you would answer our prayers according to your will. Help us to be more patient, to wait on you, and let you work in our lives, whether it be through an obvious answer or through silence. We know that you are God. You are all-knowing. You know what is best for us. Help us as a people of God here this morning simply to trust you with our life. We know, God, we confess that we pray selfish prayers. We want to commit these our needs, our trials, our sorrows to you and simply trust you to work these things out in our life. Whether it be a yes or a no, we pray, God, we could learn to accept the answer and let you work in us, creating a better person for you as you take away the things that hinder our communion with you. We pray we could have a heart that is pure and in tune with your will. Bless each one here this morning for coming We pray that your word would fall on good soil and that together we could build your kingdom here on earth by being a light, a testimony to the darkness that is around us. We give you glory and honor for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.